0: Welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. Before we get to the show, let's get the pleasantries out of the way. First of all, our website.
1: If you want more information about our little podcast, go to wearethecontrarians.com. That's where you'll find links to our old episodes, to our Patreon channel, and to our awesome Contrarians merch.
0: You can show your support by buying a Contrarians mug or a pillow. I like the laptop bags myself. Second of all, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. Or even go a step further and leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcasts.
1: Finally, if you want to reach out directly to us, that's what social media is for. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Contrarian Prime or check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Contrarian Prime.
0: Julio runs our official Twitter account at Contrarian Prime, but if you want to give me a piece of your mind or just want to banter about pro wrestling, you can follow me at Contrarian Alex.
1: That's it. That's our intro.
0: Now, time for the show.
1: And we are recording for Contrarians Corner for Private Life.
0: Hello, and welcome back to the Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. My name is Alex, joined as always by my friend and co-host, Julio. Julio, the weather can't make up its mind, much like the movie we're covering here this evening. <laughs> um, the weather wants to have babies. But how, how are you holding up? Uh, I'm doing all right, Alex.
1: Alex, we're recording this on the eve of myself having a minor let me stress this, minor hand surgery. So by the time that listeners get to this episode, I'll either have uh, one less finger in my right hand or uh, my hand will be back to normal. <laughs> so let's let's relish this, this recording as... Uh, the end of an era. Yeah, the next episode will be me being post-hand surgery. Will that affect my podcasting abilities? <laughs> we'll see. There were there were a lot of um, uh, like operating rooms and like surgical lingo and a lot of needles in this movie and I don't know I can't tell if it was extremely appropriate or if it was extremely inappropriate given what I'm gonna have to go through tomorrow morning.
0: Is it Doctor Miles Bennett Dyson that's working on you? Uh, <laughs> no,
1: <laughs> took me a moment, but I know I know what you're talking okay. about now. <laughs>
0: Uh, I, all i think about like hand surgeons is just like or like what could go wrong is like the next time we record you have like a robot hand or some shit
1: and i'm the beginning of the end for exactly uh, humanity it,
0: it all starts with a peruvian immigrant <laughs> that's the that's like the fucking grounds on which trump will win again in 2024 <laughs> this, i warned you it was coming and look in austin it's happening already these
1: immigrants with the robotic hands
0: (laughs) taking white people's jobs
1: (laughs) uh all right no my my doctor is not is not miles dyson
0: man as you can tell already uh (laughs) looking for things to keep ourselves entertained with this episode tonight uh no unfortunately we are not doing a a second episode on terminator 2 uh there's a could. There's a fucking yeah four hour epic on the Terminator franchise in our backlogs. Y'all can go find. Uh, no, here to cover the 2018 Netflix. Do you call Netflix movies Netflix originals? Is that a proper term to describe it?
1: Uh, I think so. I think. I mean, I think Netflix is pretty liberal with what they call originals uh, because it changes depending on the world. Like a uh, yeah our patron exclusive for this month, Annihilation. I think that it's it's known in other countries as a Netflix original because it just went straight to streaming Mm -hmm. but in the US it actually had a theatrical release so it was not a Netflix original I think okay I don't know you're talking the wrong guy the the right guy to talk about this is the guy that actually demanded we cover this movie he uses his patron powers for it that's uh, Dan Brennick from Netflix and Swill and uh I just, I just realized that that sounded like I was introducing him. But no, he's not here with us.
0: <laughs> not today, at least. We'll, no. well, we'll see him in a few weeks on the live stream for The Cure. That's true. But, um, okay, so a Netflix movie from 2018, Private Life, uh, standing at 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, premiered at Sundance in January 18th of 2018, and then was released on Netflix October of that year. So maybe that separates it. It did... I don't fucking know. Well, Dan, we know you're <laughs> listening to this. Let us know what constitutes a Netflix original and what, what doesn't. All right. So if this is your first time listening to The Contrarians, thank you so much for joining us. For our returning listeners, give us just a moment here while we explain what it is we do to any and all potential new listeners. Here on The Contrarians, we like to rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. That is our battle cry. Find a movie on Rotten Tomatoes that is highly rated, a lot of times known as Certified Fresh. Uh, No issues with this one here being 93%, and what we'll do with that movie is bring it down to size and explain, you know, uh, maybe some of the plot points, uh, writing styles, directing styles, some poor acting, maybe just some things that were swept under the rug in general uh, in favor of, you know, just boosting this movie's acclaim. Conversely, we'll find a movie that is lowly rated, one of those nasty green splotches known as Rotten, usually shoot for about 30% and below, and we'll, as you would guess, uh, argue a case for that film's positive merit, maybe some under-celebrated acting, cinematography, direction, what have you, scores, soundtracks, all in an attempt to uh, highlight that the Rotten Tomatoes system is, at least the way the the majority interprets it, is a flawed system uh, in the sense that it doesn't tell the whole story and also... Uh, that uh, artist's objective can be as over the moon and, uh, you know, enthusiastic about something as you want to be or you can find any reason to be cynical. Uh, Julio, that all comprises the first portion of our podcast. I know it sounds like a lot, but it flies by. Trust me. Uh, but that, that's the, the first half of an episode, which we call Contrarian's Corner. If listeners want to know how we really feel about the movie we're covering, they just have to check out the second half.
1: That's right. Part two of our podcast of every episode is Real Talk, which is where we uh, unsurprisingly tell you how we really feel about the movie, uh, regardless of the Rotten Tomatoes score. So uh, in this case, yes, 93% for uh, Private Life. Alex had never seen it. I'd seen it once before a long time ago. Uh, Did we like it? Did we not like it? Well, you will find out in Real Talk. I will find out also how Alex feels, and Alex will find out how I feel because we've barely exchanged a couple texts since uh, the since we watched the movie. We've, this one, this is one of those where we're keeping our our cards close to the chest. Yeah. So we'll see. The only thing that that I know and that longtime listeners know is that Alex is a big Catherine Hahn fan.
0: Well, I'd I hope everyone knows that we're both big Paul Giamatti fans.
1: Yes, but I. Wouldn't you say that you are a bigger fan of Catherine Hun than either of us is a fan of Paul Giamatti? Uh,
0: I don't know that. Oh, really? I've misjudged
1: yeah. your uh, Catherine Hun's fandom.
0: No, I think you've underjudged. <laughs> That's not even a fucking word. <laughs> I think you've underestimated my love of Paul Giamatti.
1: Impressive. I, usually, when Giamatti comes up, it's just us making fun of the rhino, but. Okay. All right. All right. I guess. Well, real talk is going to be full. You're talking surprises. to a man
0: that like 50 was serious when he said he should have gotten a Best Supporting Actor nomination for Fred Claus.
1: <laughs> That's right, Fred Claus, part of Contrarian's canon. uh Yeah. Okay. Okay. I stand corrected. And so, long-time listeners know we have nothing but love for Paul Giamatti and Catherine Han. So, um,
0: what does that mean for real talk? Uh, you'll find out then in the second half of the show. That is correct, and as was mentioned a few times already, tonight's episode brought to us by one of our wonderful patrons, Dan Brennick from the Netflix and Swill podcast. We'll be talking about Dan in the second half, so uh, we'll we'll come back to that, but thank you to all of our loving and adoring patrons. Uh, Where to go for our patron is also uh, listed. Where to go for our patron? You heard the plug already in our opening, so we're not going to have to go into that here. Uh, We'll save that for PP in the second half. Julio was there reason given or was it just a naked notification that you will be doing private life?
1: Yeah, I mean, th- there was no, no cushion in the blow. It was just like, this is it. You're doing it. And then I guess uh, when, he, uh, when he saw, when I, I made the announcement, the official announcement of what we were doing this month, he, uh, he made a comment. Uh, but I, I think that we'll save that comment for real talk. But but no, not a whole lot of preamble. So is he trying to torture us? Is he trying to uh, uh, reward us for a for a job well done? <laughs> I don't know.
0: Time will tell. So it is.
1: It is a Netflix movie though, and you know he has a podcast about Netflix, so that part
0: tracks. I mean, on brand, and I appreciate him sticking to the gimmick. That's you know, <laughs> kayfabe, baby. All right. 93%, as was mentioned already, the critics were pretty all over this. It received a few um, award nominations uh, for things such as director, screenplay, actress Catherine Hahn and supporting actress Kaylee Carter. Uh, Of course, the niece. What was her name? Sadie. Julio, critics seem to love this. So on Rotten Tomatoes, what were the uh, shiny red tomatoes saying about this?
1: All right, here we go with a few fresh quotes. If you want to hear any some of the rotten quotes, uh, stick around for part two. And we'll start with Ton Augustine from New Zealand Herald, who says, "Director Tamer Jenkins has always been one of the finest chroniclers of the American upper middle class, and this may be her most anxiety-inducing effort yet." Uh, this is a New Zealander deciding who is a fine chronicler of the American upper middle class. Alex, do you? Have you ever felt confident enough to uh, determine who is a fine chronicler of uh, the New Zealand upper middle class?
0: I have not. I wouldn't have the uh, ego or um, the id to do something like that. Yes,
1: Mister Augustine. How about uh, you stick to I don't know Lord of the Rings? What was another Peter Jackson movie we did?
0: Um, De- uh dead alive. dead alive. Yeah, yeah. Dead Alive. Yeah. When you say that shit, I want to be like, oh, is that what it's like in New Zealand? Just fucking radioactive monkeys biting people all over the place.
1: <laughs> Hit us up, Tom Augustine. Let's let's have a crossover. I kid,
0: we're a very easy nation to parody. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's it. We're all Paul Jamati. We're all Katherine Hahn. We're all the fucking Zodiac killer. We'll get to him. Uh, next <laughs> Kiko Martinez from San Antonio current director and Oscar nominated screenwriter Tamar Jenkins has crafted a genuinely touching and humorous human narrative about a husband and a wife desperate for a family Paul Giamatti and Catherine Hahn have never been better really have they never been better Alex forget uh, si- no. forget Fred I, Claus. I mean
0: yes they have they have been <laughs> uh, everything Paul Giamatti's done is great like he is amazing and everything Fucking Hangover Two sucks. Paul Giamatti's amazing in it. <laughs> I know you're not as big of a fan as uh, of Shoot 'Em Up as I am. Amazing in that movie. It's not his fault. Win win. Amazing. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Man on the
1: Moon. And this, I think, this is our third Giamatti movie here in the Contrarians.
0: That would sound about right. Yeah, yeah. And with Catherine Hahn, she definitely flexes some acting muscles in this that she doesn't in other things, but. Uh, the Goods is a better movie than this, and she's really fucking funny in that.
1: Period. <laughs> uh, Debbie Holloway from Narrative Muse says, Private life is an existential roller coaster and only barely about a baby. It's more like Waiting for Godot. Uh, only barely about a baby. The, the entire movie is about the unborn baby. Fucking movie they watch. <laughs> I don't know. Wouldn't it be funny if she just if she actually watched the wrong movie? She doesn't call out Jamani. She, she watched Look her. Who's Talking. <laughs> she actually watched Waiting for Godot there you go. an adaptation. All right, let's close with A.O. Scott from the New York Times who says, Someone once said that life is what happens while you're making other plans. This movie is about the plans that happen while you're trying to make another life.
0: <laughs> oh, That is as pretentious as several of the shots in this movie. <laughs>
1: So do, do you think when exactly? Well, writing this uh, this sentence, when exactly did Deus Scott climax? <laughs> w- was it like the final, you know, the final mention of life, or was it when when he switched? It's gears? that scene
0: in Hamlet 2, and Dana's making the script for Hamlet 2, and he's crying every d- keystroke he makes because <laughs> he's so like amazed by what he's writing. Fuck off! You're right. Like I I just like imagine he you know he sits down. And he just takes his shirt off, and that's how it starts. <laughs> <laughs> and then with each word, you know, he's getting more and more flushed, and yeah, I think it's just when he hits the... And you know that fucking asshole wrote it on a typewriter, so it hit the return <laughs> right as his fucking vinegar strokes were taking effect.
1: He had, like, a cigarette like, hanging off the side of his mouth.
0: <laughs> and, it, it like, he lives in a really shitty apartment, and the window was open, <laughs> and, you know, someone down on the street was just like... <laughs> Shut up, the both of you. Uh, no offense meant, A.O. Scott,
1: but that uh, that was that was a, a terrible, terrible quote. Uh,
0: all right, A.O. Get a different job. <laughs> now, yeah, yeah, we've had A.O. Scott on here before, not in studio, but you know he's been a, a cited source. That brother, I'm sorry, that was just <laughs> fucking brutal. That that's the type of review Wes Anderson would frame and put on his wall. <laughs>
1: That's the quote you put on on the Criterion.
0: Yes, it's the disc art. Like it's just in like typewriter letters on the disc. (laughs) You can tell the type of mood this movie's put Julio and myself in. (laughs) It's also listed on fucking Wikipedia as a comedy drama. Uh, I mean, there's some funny delivery or just kind of like cadence from Paul Giamatti. uh, But yeah, no point in this was I like slapping my knee, you know, having a, a jolly time. Fuck's sake. Hulu, did you watch it today? I did. I did.
1: I uh, okay. probably finished about an hour ago. Yeah,
0: yeah, it wrapped up for me right before we started recording. I finished the movie, ate a drumstick and uh, <laughs> actual chicken, not just ice cream. <laughs> I had some protein for dinner and then, yeah, came in here to jump on it. So,
1: I can just imagine you like eating this drumstick just over the sink as you're pondering about life. Just
0: looking straight forward at the wall, (laughs) just expressionless, and just all you can hear in the kitchen is the the oven vent and me breathing.
1: (laughs) And you're thinking, am I in a Tamara Jenkins movie? Fuck.
0: There wasn't any sperm. Excuse me? Your husband didn't have any sperm. All right, so let's get to Miss Jenkins here. Number one, who do you think you are? (laughs) Number two, what gives you the rights? Joking aside, I'm a fan of The Savages. That was the last film that she directed. And yeah, it looks like the last film she wrote. Her previous entries from a screenwriting perspective include uh, Slums of Beverly Hills, which was a 1998 film that she also directed. And it looks like also in the same year as Private Life, she penned a film called Juliet Naked. Uh, Ethan Hawke? Rose Byrne and Ethan Hawke, yes sir, Chris O'Dowd, uh, produced by Judd Apatow, so I'm out. Oh no, <laughs>
1: <laughs> you had me until then.
0: Right, Rose Byrne and Ethan Hawke, I'll check that out. So uh, so not my first time dabbling with her as a filmmaker. Um, could definitely believe watching this, the the person that wrote and directed The Savages did this. Uh, were, were you a fan of The Savages, Julio?
1: I haven't seen it, that's uh, Phil Seymour Hoffman, right?
0: It's actually uh, John Travolta... Blake Lively, Benicio Del Toro, Taylor Kish. No. (laughs) The guy from Kick-Ass. Oh, that that, yes,
1: I'm a big fan. (laughs) That
0: was, of course, uh, that was a joke. That was Oliver Stone's film, Savages, not to be confused with the Savages. Uh, Yeah, I definitely recommend checking it out, but uh, that's not what we're here today to discuss. All right, so Private Life, Julio, is the story of Richard and Rachel, uh, Catherine Hahn, and Paul Giamatti, Playing Rachel and Richard respectively, they are a middle-aged couple desperately trying to have a child. After multiple failed attempts at artificial insemination, they attempt in vitro fertilization. The couple learn that Richard has a blockage that is not letting him produce sperm, forcing him to undergo surgery that puts them $10,000 in debt to his brother Charlie and wife Cynthia. At the same time, they are also attempting to adopt a child after connecting with a supposedly pregnant teenager from Arkansas, who was looking to give up her child but then stopped contact. Uh it's surprising they bring up the adoption thing cuz that story just like kind of cuts off halfway through the <laughs> it movie. Goes
1: nowhere. <laughs>
0: uh were you so, expecting
1: I mean not not to f- jump too far ahead Alex but this is literally jumping to the end of the movie. Were you expecting the the end of the movie to be them getting the phone call about like adoption like you know, hey, it's going to work out. We got we got somebody for you.
0: I mean it kind of is. It's that well that similar program. Uh, but, yeah, like, it was someone... What's her name? I always... Sioban Fallon Hogan, the the adoption agent that came to their apartment to, like, inspect mm-hmm. it and whatnot. She calls him, like, did you forget about me? Because the script did.
1: <laughs> hey, guys, what happened? I haven't heard from you in a while.
0: It, it's been about an hour and ten minutes. How are you guys doing? <laughs> All right, so one thing when this movie kicked off was when I pressed play, you know the little, like... You know, I guess you could call them like what the modern equivalent of a lobby card is. When you hover over a movie on Netflix or you select it before any of the video portion fires up, there's just like that promotional still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just kind of like Catherine Hahn and Peter, Paul Giamatti just kind of like standing there like, Ugh. and I was like, this looks familiar. <laughs> and then I started it, and in the first scene where he gives her a shot in the ass, I was like, I started this movie once like when it first came out. It was. I was laying in bed and I was, you know, having a hard time sleeping. And I started. And I was like, "God, this seems boring." I think I made it about like <laughs> ten or fifteen minutes in before I stopped it the first time.
1: So you started it on the strength of
0: its two leads, yeah, like, funny people. And I saw that Well, I read it was a drama, and like I said, Paul Giamatti fucks my shit up. So I was just like, "Give it to me, lay it on me." and uh
1: how long how long did it take for you to kind of realize what you were in for because it was one
0: of those things like it was too late i was like this is too much for me right now about 15 minutes in you know i just need something kind of soothing to go to bed type shit and then i was like i'll pick it up and you know watch it again and i never did i had to watch i don't know wrestlemania 19 for the (laughs) fucking ninth time (laughs)
1: Well, but because I was asking because the beginning of this movie is a little, it's kind of like a bait and switch, right? Because it's like a black screen and you hear dialogue that sounds suggestive. And then the first shot is just this, you know, you don't see their faces, but it looks like Catherine Hahn is lying in bed. And the way that she's got a, her body's twisted and then the way that Jamadi's moving behind. Like, it looks like they're about to engage into something that's like more fun than what actually happens. Uh, which is just him giving her a shot. Man, I if it had been me late at night, like it was happening to you, I, that's when I would have turned it off. I'm like, I can't. After midnight, I can't watch people getting needles inserted anywhere in their bodies.
0: Yeah, it, it just, it starts on a pretty bleak tone. Uh, it's not the same thing, but just the way it's kind of presented. It reminded me of the beginning of uh, Away We Go with um, Jim and Maya Rudolph. Have you ever seen that movie?
1: Uh, No, I own it. I I've owned it for a decade now. I think (laughs) I still have. There's some
0: vague parallels between them. I found myself at numerous times during this wishing I was watching that. Could have watched it three times in the amount of time it takes (laughs) to watch this movie.
1: Does Jim uh, also have a blockage in that
0: movie? Oh no, he's firing ropes, man. He (laughs) he accomplishes. He knows the assignment or whatever the expression is. Yeah, it just starts and it feels like it's going to be bleak. And yeah, it, it is. It's about a couple, both in their 40s. Uh, Giamatti's 47, I believe. Catherine Hahn's character's 41, trying to conceive. And that right there is kind of going to alienate your audience of like, well, what'd they expect? Why do they want kids? It's a weird starting point. So this entire movie, you know, all the bitching so far from my end and that is to come is completely worth it because the the following scene when they go to do the ivf uh we get to see paul giamatti just really um disconnectedly watching porn he's just kind of sitting there in his chair with his pants around his ankles just staring at the tv while his girl just gets railed on camera and <laughs> he just looks very despondent he looks like me watching like modern wrestling he's just kind of staring at the tv just kind of like this is my life huh
1: are, are your pants also around your ankles when you're watching modern wrestling
0: I've been working from home for two years I don't wear pants man
1: uh, that shot it was really distracting because I didn't realize that there was a protective sheet on top of the couch where he's sitting so oh yeah because it's a
0: doctor's office you know when you sit up there I'm sure like tomorrow you'll be put on a fucking bed of wax paper like you're at a butcher shop
1: uh, yeah but I'm not gonna be jacking off I mean it was just
0: <laughs> you don't know that yet man <laughs> You, did, the you whole not get your point. hand fix you'll you'll tell the doctor let me give this a test drive over here
1: <laughs> uh i thought that the i don't know because the way that it was because it's all like it's a very white room and uh, like this movie it's all very white uh in the the couch you can't tell at least i couldn't tell at first that it was a they had like the, the butcher's paper on it so i was instantly like oh my god he just sat like he's like bare ass on that couch that's unsanitary and i know this was pre-covid but still like you like you don't do that and uh i don't know you know i've I've had some i think like you know we've been around this planet for a while so we've had like our low points i imagine all of us but uh i don't think i've ever found myself uh having that reaction to porn (laughs) (laughs) like having a non-reaction basically you know like i've laughed i've been intrigued i've been horrified but i've never been just dead inside
0: i was about to say that is like a psa promotional shot for getting old and just like it sucks Is <laughs> you just have paul giamatti with his pants around his ankles just staring at porn on the tv and just kind of like i don't care man i just want to go home <laughs> it's it's uh... a hell of a visual if if We've taken fucking ten minutes to explain the first three <laughs> minutes of this movie, but you got to go see. Yeah, they peek on the phone, and the phone is Paul Giamatti, just <laughs> dejected by life, watching pornography. It's ridiculous. It's great, and, and it was like pretty like intense shit they were showing too for an R-rated movie because they were just showing porn, and you know, <laughs> a lot of times that shit will wind you with an NC-17, but. Paul Giamatti in the background is the Sound of Silence plays. <laughs> uh, we get a movie theater reference specifically for Hulu and I covering this. That'd be hilarious if that's the entire reason Dan Brennick was like, hey, do this because <laughs> they talk about movie theaters. Um, but to explain Paul Giamatti's lack of uh, sperm flow, he does an analogy about, you know, like a soda fountain that mixes carbonated water and syrup. And he just looks at both of them. Either of you work in a movie theater. They both just shake their head no. And, of course, I immediately pictured myself and you in that situation of being like, yeah. But then I was like, wait, Julio and I would never be going to get an IVF together.
1: (laughs) I mean, I know technology has has improved since, what, 2019 when this movie came out? But still.
0: (laughs) We're a ways off from that. Yeah,
1: we're we're a long way from the future that Junior predicted.
0: (laughs) Uh, My note here just said, this would be better if it was a Fred Claus (laughs) spinoff.
1: With Santa trying to uh, have a kid.
0: Because they mention it in there that he has, you know, he's having ish, uh, erectile dysfunction. That's true. I was the whole time, like every time something was out of hand, uh, my sister watches with me. I would do the when Paul Giamatti was trying to restore order. I would do his thing from Fred Claus in that scene. It was like ho ho ho.
1: <laughs> I think he actually has a ho 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 moment. Like he actually says ho ho ho. Like that's a, that's a Giamatti. Oh, thing. like that's... white cops do. Ho 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 ho. <laughs> But you know, with, with the with the Jamadi Gravitas. Yeah, there uh, you go. So I mean, I you know, we make fun of uh, white people shit a lot on this show. We even created an award for it <laughs> for, <laughs> for the movie that features the most white people shit. So my initial thought was this is white people shit, right? And mm-hmm. not just because you know the cast is almost uniformly white, but also because it was like I get it that you want to have a kid, but every time that they got like an estimate, like a financial estimate, <laughs> I like, that's a lot of money. That's, you that don't is, see
0: like, either of them working the entire movie.
1: I don't know what Jamadi does for a living. Like, I get that Catherine He's Hunt has- He's <laughs> Chandler? Okay, Chandler, if, if Chandler's job involved like mysterious hay bales, like, does he have a. What does he oh, have? Yes. Like, stables?
0: <laughs> God, that's so stupid. Are you saying hey, like hey, or hey? (laughs) Yeah, you don't know what he does. He, he could just be like this massive drug kingpin because he has one guy that works for him in a warehouse somewhere. (laughs) Just the one guy. Uh,
1: But okay, but then he's not a very successful kingpin because he. I mean, he has to borrow borrow money from the Zodiac. Exactly, that's bad business. You don't want to borrow money from the Zodiac Killer. Zodiac Killer, by the way, nicest person ever in this movie.
0: His brother is played by... Um,
1: is it John Carroll Lynch?
0: Yeah, John Carroll Lynch, who Hall believed to be the Zodiac. Is the end of that movie when he looks in his eyes, he doesn't believe it anymore? Is that what you're supposed to take from it?
1: It's like, it doesn't matter. It's like Jamadi watching porn in this movie. It's like, it's <laughs> <laughs> no reaction. <laughs>
0: Oh, it's kind of like a so what. What does it matter anyway? Type right. thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> My life is over anyway. Arthur Lee Allen. I was trying to remember that fucker's name.
1: <laughs> what if this was also a a spin-off/sequel to Zodiac? This is what he was up to. Well, uh Gillen Hall. And oh, Robert this Daddy is <laughs> like
0: Yeah, you just eliminate like the the smartphones and change some of the f- clothing style and you could just be like This is the. It ends with him going to work, and Jake Gyllenhaal pulls up in his car. (laughs) Perfect. I mean, he's this guy, John Carroll Lynch is. uh, He's a great, really charismatic presence. He he's he's just one of those guys. He's a that guy actor, but at the same time, like Zodiac, he's fucking very off putting in that. I've seen other things that he's really funny in, and he just has kind of this presence. He was in Face Off, an episode we did Mm -hmm. previously.
1: He's the he's the cop in Face Off, not the cop, the the prison guard.
0: Yeah, he's also in a movie we have not done, but uh, I think collectively one of Hulu and I's most hated films being Crazy Stupid Love. So we won't hold that against him, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of people in that movie. You
0: Got to get paid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If we if we hated like if we held it against everyone in that movie, we'd be cutting out like a fourth of the white people in Hollywood.
1: <laughs> um. I want to clarify, because I... So, this is white people shit. And the, the problem is that, or, or I guess what I wasn't expecting, was that the movie was going to, I guess, try to make me judge white people. Like, like I could do that on my own. You know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't need the movie to, on top of that, like, underline, like, all, all, the, all this stuff. And... Uh, it almost felt like this sick experiment of like, I'm, we're going to give you Paul Giamatti, Catherine Han, and then the entire movie, we're going to try to force you to choose a side. Like, who's right here? Because even though they're a couple and they embark in this project together, there's several moments in the movie where they have arguments, uh, whether they're like really blow-ups and, you know, they, they they argue, or it's just that they both take an approach to things that are, that, you know, each is a little different in... Did you have that experience watching this where you were like, okay, am I on Jamadi's side or am I on Katherine Hahn's side? And no matter who you chose, you kind of felt like an asshole for for doing it?
0: Yeah, there are no winners in this movie. Including the audience. I was on John Carroll Lynch's side, you know? Why
1: can't we all just get along?
0: Yeah, and kind of just fighting for progressiveness and shit. He's the one of like, if they were gay, would you have the same problem with it? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's like you don't know... This, okay, let's, you know, there's no other time to work this in, but right now. This movie is like three movies. It The plot V's, or hard lefts, I guess I should say, at several points to where what you watched a half hour previous or 45 minutes previous is not at all totally consistent or thematically consistent with what you're seeing right now. Like, your support of certain characters fluctuates greatly. This movie is like an anthology piece, you know, it's like these different, time periods from their life it it just with no flow to it and so i know what you're saying i think anytime i was behind one of them i felt bad for it but it's the narrative and just the the light changes so often that it's hard to really pick your favorite to choose your fighter so to speak (laughs)
1: yes (laughs) and uh and john carroll lynch is not playable
0: no no he's like um I think it's the first Mortal Kombat where you can't play as Goro. You just have to beat him. That's yeah. John Carroll Lynch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, he's one of those uh, characters that's, like, in the background, like, cheering you on.
0: Yes. Yeah, uh, Mortal Kombat 2, the the pit, like, in the background where the... If you look far enough, there were two people fighting each other that... It was, like, a, an Inferno guy, and I can't remember who... It was, like, maybe um, Noob Saibot or some shit. Mm-hmm. There's some Mortal Kombat person listening to this right now, losing their fucking mind, yelling at me. But... <laughs> that's the point we're trying to make john Carroll lynch is 16-bit era games when you wanted to play as someone you <laughs> couldn't john Carroll lynch exists before dlc <laughs> uh, all
1: right so uh because we're still at this stage of the movie how much did you squirm when they were talking about everything that was wrong with uh, paul Giamatti's testicles
0: was this where molly shannon was dressed like uh she had the Elaine or the late 80s the button-up shirt on with no pants on was that during this scene
1: <laughs> no 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 this is, this is still in the hospital where, where uh where the the funny doctor is, oh, is explaining yeah, yeah, yeah. you know oh you have blockage but you know what we can do is we can uh, unblock
0: it by doing a testicular biopsy I've always thought about being in that situation if I would want a doctor to tell me as much about it as possible or just bottom line it so that that makes me just like uncomfortable in a non-male way just like um socially uncomfortable watching shit like this where they're just over explaining it but yeah I know what you mean
1: how would you like the doctor uh, what's that guy from I don't know he from this familiar. movie he <laughs> he goes for it he heard that we give awards to the the most impressive supporting character and uh, <laughs> he was he was definitely trying
0: Dennis O'Hare Who do I know him from
1: oh he gets the and credit
0: mm. uh yeah he's fine like everyone in this, he's white. and just kind of <laughs> says stuff. He's the,
1: he's the funny doctor, though. He has his shtick. I was, I kept thinking of uh, Ken Jong and uh, Knock Up. That, oh. he, you know me, so that's not a good thing.
0: <laughs> no, when you start drawing comparisons to Ken Jeong and your Julio, that's uh, that's uh, frightening. Red flag, a, a alarming, big red flag. Uh, Molly Shannon and the Zodiac. Uh, they have their two daughters. One of them is away at college. She tells her daughter, who's about to graduate, that graduating at 25 is like an emergency response or something. I was like, bitch, (laughs) I was 23 when I graduated college. Calm down. (laughs) Uh, Just to set the story, like we mentioned, uh, John Carroll Lynch is Paul Giamatti, I think, stepbrother. No,
1: no, no. They're brothers. But Sadie is not uh, John Carroll Lynch's daughter. She's his stepdaughter. So she's Molly Shannon's daughter from a previous relationship. At least that's how I understood it.
0: Okay. All right. That makes sense. Gotcha. Uh, My note, this movie is so artsy. Uh, This is where we go through the sequence of the adoption agent coming to inspect their apartment. Uh, We get Catherine Hahn bottomless for virtually no reason. (laughs) Full
1: frontal. It's just... uh... We should
0: have called her Harry, not Sally.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I get it that the movie's trying to be uh it's just too clever for its own good, right? Because they're discussing a painting they have where a woman is just, you know, full vagina out. And they're discussing the appropriateness of that painting, considering that there's like the adoption agent coming to visit them. And and of course they're having that discussion while Catherine Hahn is just you know, showing it all, bearing it all. and
0: Beave out. Yes.
1: Uh, no, kind of like an unfulfilled promise. Because if you're showing me full frontal from Catherine Hahn, then it only makes sense that you would give us full frontal from Paul Giamatti.
0: It doesn't happen, so the equation is not finished. He doesn't pull out the rhino at any point.
1: Nope. <laughs> he doesn't pull out the rhino.
0: But this is uh, where we get the, the story of the donor gone awry. They thought they found someone that was going to... You know, provide them their her their baby, and
1: oh, that, that's she, wild because they didn't go through like a reputable agency or anything. They were like on pregnancy Tinder or something.
0: Yeah, they're on MySpace. <laughs> yes. They put a bulletin out: who wants to give us a baby? <laughs> uh
1: Yeah, and then they were uh skyping with a girl that was. I mean, I guess that was the point that she was way too young to be having a, a kid, and the this is like a short film that has no relevance to what happens later in the movie but it, the idea is that this this girl eventually she she ghosts them right they they arrange a meeting she doesn't show yeah. up and they never hear from her again and then they look through the photos the sonograms that she had sent them and they're like there wasn't a name there wasn't a date was it all fake i'm like okay okay is this a movie because that sounds awesome like show me the movie where uh Jemaid and han just become obsessed with finding this girl <laughs> they just travel cross-country like picking up clues and that doesn't happen like this this story never it's, it's a pretty amazing setup pretty late into the movie but still you know like okay if this is what, what the movie's gonna be about let's go for it and instead after this scene the the idea of them adopting a kid is just never brought up again literally yeah
0: um, <laughs> <laughs> the IVF doesn't take they start to think they need a They're it's suggested they get a donor egg which this whole world is always kind of new to me I think don't mean to speak for you, Julio, as well, but uh, until this point in our life we've stayed pretty far away from shit like this. So I was like, so they're gonna take someone else's egg and then like mix it up with some Paul Giamatti action, then put it inside Catherine Hahn, and I guess that's what they do.
1: It's a it's a really boring threesome.
0: A very it's... It's wild you know, watch wild things if you want the real deal.
1: But then but then Giamatti's actually turned on by the idea. Like a couple scenes later. He even tells Catherine Hunt, like, this is kind of kinky. Do you think that he's just – he hasn't had sex in so long that just anything would turn him on? Because that doesn't explain why he couldn't, like, really get it get it going uh, with the porn earlier in the movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we come to find out later it's 11 months. So, yeah, I feel you on that one, man. <laughs> that, that's a, <laughs> it's a bit of a a dry spell. So it now becomes we need to find an egg. And they introduce Sadie, their niece, uh, as we mentioned, John Carroll Lynch's stepdaughter, who, God, she's fucking annoying. I have such a low tolerance for the, you know, I took a few college courses white kid that thinks they know fucking how the world turns type thing. And, and every
1: single thing they say has it sounds like, like it was written by a screenwriter, <laughs> not like it yes. came out of the mouth of a person.
0: Yeah. And it's just, I guess I've been around too much of that. Uh, especially living in Austin, there's a lot of young people that think the world stops and turns for them and speak like this. And so I was just kind of like, oh, God. Every time she was on screen, it just felt exhausting. And, you know, they're she's talking about how her aunt and uncle are authentic, but they're the victims of, I don't know, fucking gentrification (laughs) co-opting bullshit (laughs) again they're all white people man their problems aren't that significant (laughs) I have a note here that says this is the unfun version of sex in the city because they're still like walking around New York City talking and taking cabs places but there's just no whimsy or wonder to it
1: Uh, what food do they get You know, in one of those midnight jaunts they get tacos is that what the
0: yeah big old burritos
1: Uh, burritos there you go yeah and she says this this is a good example of her dialogue she she says in a very natural way my esophagus is on fire
0: yeah that's that's what i'm thinking every time i eat something too spicy
1: <laughs> okay college girl <laughs>
0: yeah all right miss esophagus <laughs> sorry your majesty uh so their plan is to use one of her eggs to try another cycle on the ivf uh Julio, I understand she's an adult. She's 25 at this point. Did it strike you as odd they didn't talk to her parents before speaking to her about it?
1: Yes, but also even more so, as annoying as she is, I think that the, the movie, unintentionally, I, I, I think just based on how it all ends and the tone of it, I think that the movie makes it clear unintentionally in that she is not mature enough to do this. And I can't imagine that Jamari and Han don't notice that. Uh, so in their desperation, they take advantage of this young woman that really doesn't know any better, and that's when this movie, I mean, if handled properly, it would have become an amazing thriller, but it didn't because it was more interested in trying to be this quasi-realistic dramedy. Uh, but the idea of you know the 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 cool hipster uh, uncle and aunt taking advantage of this. Uh, Young college drop out at, at, at a low point in her life, you know, and they give her direction by taking advantage of her. Right? And they're like, you know, it's like uh, Molly Shannon says at some point, they brainwashed you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like the bones of a good thriller are in there uh, and they just got
0: to go to waste. It's all sacrificed just in favor of showing like this quirky indie film. That's really like every time it came to it with these like long shots or the the shots of them walking where the cameras cameras kind of wobbling back and forth, or mm-hmm. even the fucking like uh, precious memory style camera where everything's fuzzy and stuff. It's just this is every cliche someone would make about an independent film about white people.
1: Of course, it opened in Sundance.
0: <laughs> it, of course, I mean, it's a
1: Sundance movie. <laughs>
0: Could it possibly be any more on brand?
1: <laughs> um, this movie, it, yeah, they really missed the mark because what, what the second half of this movie should have been is kind of like playing the audience and letting us realize that uh, Jamadi and Catherine Hahn are the villains and slowly turn on them. But instead, this movie continuously makes us, it, it tries to get us on their side, tries to get us to feel sympathy for them. And that that shouldn't be the case. That, you know, that's why. Yeah, it's it's a it's a failed indie drama where it could have been a magnificent genre movie.
0: My train had a really funny name for it. What did she call it again? Emotionally incontinent. Oh my god! <laughs> gross. Yes. But but because it's not you trying to have the baby directly, it would be way less fraught emotionally, don't you think?
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah.
0: So Sadie's into it. She uh willingly agrees to go forward with it uh the drive it's thanksgiving and they drive to um her mother and stepfather's house uh richard's brother's uh home molly shannon's there too and she's ready to uncork at any moment uh as she's so fucking annoying on the drive there sadie she's just doing the uh what's that movie with She's doing the perks of a wallflower thing on the way there, like coming out of the sunroof, taking pictures of herself. And it's just, it's too much to handle. And then she gets there. It's free
1: spirit, Alex. Do you get it?
0: (laughs) I do. It's Thanksgiving dinner, and Molly Shannon proposes that we go around the table and say things we're thankful for. This scene was so anxiety producing. I was just like, (laughs) oh my God. And then she gets up. My my note just says, oh my God, this bitch. Uh, (laughs) She gets up and cannot read the room for the life of her for as smart and mature as she thinks she is she just tells in front of the entire family hey you know we're gonna do this i've agreed to give them an egg and they're gonna take it and they're trying to like shush her like stop stop (laughs) we haven't talked to your parents yet and you know molly shannon is just completely disgusted by the whole thing which leads to almost like some everyone loves raymond style comedy because she starts taking it out of the turkey when she's trying to cut it And then there's like this just black comedy back at the dinner table while this fighting is going on. Of I don't know if it's the uncle, the grandpa, who it is. But he explains that he's celebrating 31 days of sobriety and what should be like this touching moment just played for kind of laughs. And uh, yeah, Thanksgiving is ruined. And It's, um, it's so
1: weird because the, the movie really drags it out, right? Because he gets up and he's like, is it my turn? You cut to the, cut to the kitchen and, you know, the big fight happening then you cut back to him and he's like yeah I'm 31 days sober blah, blah blah you go back to the kitchen you cut back to him and he's like all I have to do is like make it one more day and then it'll be like whatever uh, I mean I guess if you think that's funny then you're happy that they keep cutting back to him but I was just like just make it stop make the whole thing stop I don't like Molly Shannon when uh, uh, she's not funny you know like we had her in uh, Never Been Kissed and she was delightful she oh, had a yeah. thing with uh, with a uh, Shake and Bake, what's the name? Uh,
0: John C. Riley. <laughs> John C.
1: Riley. <laughs> she had a thing with John C. Riley. What did she do to Tamara Jenkins that she was suddenly cast in this really uncool, uh sullen role that doesn't even have a full arc? Like it's so weird. She is a hundred percent opposed to this idea. And I wanna say ten minutes later in the movie. <laughs> Her character, there's a complete. She's one okay eight. with it. <laughs> yeah, so you know what? I don't like it, but sure, I love you. I'm like, I'm, I'm missing about 20 minutes of character development for the for Molly Shannon.
0: So they begin going forward with the process. Molly Shannon's having a hard time with it. I believe she's going through menopause, is what that's we're supposed to uh, deduce from what's going on in the movie. Um you'd mentioned like there was room or kind of the makings of a thriller here. There's one scene in particular where the process is started and it's just Catherine Hahn and Sadie in a room together. And one Catherine Han's like oogling Sadie as she's undressing in front of her. It's kind of weird. And then Sadie gets into bed with her and starts referring to it as our baby yours and mine. And so this is where it could become like a, you know, hand that rocks the cradle type situation.
1: Like, like we're gonna kill Jamari once the baby's born.
0: Yeah, I, this could like I dig this it. This would be a hard right that I would be completely in for.
1: <laughs> you could recut this movie. You know how like uh, in YouTube they they do new trailers for old movies and changing the genre. And yeah, 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 you, yeah. you could do the trailer for Private Life as as that type of like really fucked up movie where. Yeah, you're right. It's like, who's going to kill who? It's like this love triangle. And is it going to be Jamadi and his niece murdering Catherine Han or Catherine Han and Sadie murdering Jamadi? Or are the two older people going to murder the young girl after they're done with her? It's like possibilities are endless. Directed by Paul Verhoeven.
0: <laughs> My next note here in all caps. God, there's 40 minutes left. Uh they celebrate their anniversary. Sadie gets even kind of more close to them by making them an anniversary dinner, and uh, what she like cleans the apartment for him or some shit. And she goes, then she goes on a date with the the one lone worker for Paul Giamatti, <laughs> uh, the mule Desmond Borge. I knew him from uh, You're the Worst. He plays um, the main male character's best friend.
1: So he's not the worst.
0: Uh, No. That would be uh, Aya Cash, and I can't remember the other guy. He's a British fuck that uh, plays the the lead. But, yeah, we don't need to talk about that show. (laughs) Uh, So she goes on a date with him. This was a good laugh because they're going to go to some pretentious art house movie theater to see a documentary and it's about phil specter i did laugh out loud when they showed him on the screen uh because like she hyped it up like we're gonna see some documentary uh, about you know a music guy and then just a hard cut <laughs> to phil Spector. uh it starts going bad as she's late for her appointment the next day and um you know everyone's on on edge it's a fucking tense enough situation to begin with and uh she then gets We don't know what happened, but she comes out, and she's emotional, and so the doctor yelled at her. So we get Giamatti going up, giving his Oscar clip here, and we finally get Paul Giamatti (laughs) yelling. I'm sorry. Every (laughs) Paul Giamatti performance needs a scene of him yelling. He's just so good at it. Uh, Uh, But
1: then it it kind of ends with a wet fart, because you think he's going to really have it out with the doctor, and uh, instead he fumbles.
0: He, like, sobers up. He realizes what he's doing. Yeah.
1: Boo. Oh, no, yeah.
0: He should have gone all the way, for sure. Just like pulled out a gun or something and you know, <laughs> falling down style. <laughs> um,
1: so th- th- this is what blows my mind that they make a point of showing that uh, Sadie, she went through a lot of uh, like, you know, th- she she filled out a test. She talked to a person like so. It's not just that uh, it's not just poor judgment on on her part and uh, Jamadi and Hans part. Like there was a team of professionals that decided that yes this this young woman is ready to take on this responsibility and so everybody was wrong you know because it again i i think that the movie makes it very clear that she she's still a kid you know that like she doesn't realize how important this 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 appointment is so she shows up late after spending the night with uh the guy from you're the worst and uh she, you know, this, this experience with the doctor leads to her self-medicating. I was like, how, who, how is it that nobody noticed that she was not ready? Like, I am not a medical professional, and I could have told you, you know, she seems a little too green. I don't think she's ready to, to go through an IVF, because that sounds like heavy-duty business, and that's a lot of money, too, so I... I wish if this was just that the movie was trying to make a you know an expose of uh, the the failings of the medical system in America, uh, or even better, because I thought at some point that this was going to be a critique of how there's a whole industry out there that exploits uh, these poor people that are just determined to have a baby no matter what, and so they're mm-hmm. paying for all these procedures and they just get you know sent to this specialist and then this specialist and whatever. I'm like. Once again, the seats for a better movie are, are are there, but they're not. They didn't do anything with them.
0: It's just constant, like revving the engine and not ever actually putting it into uh, drive over and over and over again. But then you like turn the car off and let the engine rest, and then you do it again because you got to stretch it out. <laughs> uh, note here, wrap it up. Uh, she falls ill because she upped her dosage of the for her follicles that she was taking um on her own you know she wasn't pressured by the doctor or anybody else she decided that on her own because she wanted to make sure it worked and uh this is where it's obviously just gone too far and they were able to retrieve eggs from her uh but the situation is just kind of lost you know and she goes back to stay with her parents and then we find out after all that this ivf didn't work um and we go to a really really fucking bleak and depressing scene of uh paul giamatti and Catherine Hahn in bed talking about you know she's so sad and he explains that he's glad it didn't work and he doesn't want to have a kid and this is where he reveals that he really just misses casual sex and uh my <laughs> notes like what the fuck is this give me a movie i understand this <laughs> shit happens in real life that's not why i watch movies
1: jamadi just kind of uh voicing the audience's thoughts when he's like i'm just glad it's over me too except that there's another 20 minutes left
0: in the movie and then the fucking nerve they fade to black and there's 10 minutes left in the movie
1: (laughs) uh does it go to nine months later or is that after yeah
0: my yeah i wrote nine months later aka the (laughs) runtime and they end up taking um sadie off to like this private school uh for her writing she's gonna have a residency there the Yado colony, which uh, Rachel had previously been at. And they drop her off and they said, you know, we'll come back and pick you up. But she uh, explains that, no, that's all right. Sam's going to come and get me. So I guess aside from the one date we saw, there, there's a full romance that bloomed somewhere in this movie. Uh, and so she's happy. She's good. Uh, this is where we go to nine months later, excuse me. They yes. drop her off yeah, to yeah. school. And then um, it's Halloween we get a richard nixon reference and then a bill clinton and hillary clinton reference and we see that they're getting a call from the uh the 800 number that they'd previously been reached out to about someone who uh is looking for you know parents to take over once they bird their child so they the movie ends with them going out to virginia um, my note here just says, "Hell yeah, Applebee's!" Because they go to an Applebee's <laughs> to wait. I'm thinking, at least they'll be eating good there. And then the mo- this movie, after all we've been through, just the excruciating runtime, has the nerve to have a great scene. I <laughs> I was furious. Like after all the bullshit I had to sit through with like the Sadie character and everything, for it to lead to actually a good scene, like a really good subtle scene ending it. But then, of course, they can't even do that because then it, they just linger on for two or three minutes. And we never see, you know, if this person comes or not. So we the can't candy. even, after, after all of the heartbreak we've gone through with these characters, with Rachel and uh, Richard, we don't even know if they get a happy ending. It's so inconsiderate. It's uh, so <laughs> cruel as a filmmaker. Like, just, what? what's the Roberto Benigni movie where he gets killed?
1: Life like, is Beautiful?
0: yeah. It sucks, it's sad, but at least we saw what happened to him.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're not left to wonder. It's no. Like, oh.
0: There's no ambiguity about what happened to Roberto Benini in Life is Beautiful.
1: <laughs> um, you're right about that final scene. That is really good, and it's also infuriating because it's almost like Tamar Jenkins telling you, see, I can be... I, I could have been doing this the whole <laughs> yeah, time. Exactly. <laughs> um and I just wish if anything I would just wish that she had committed to that that final shot you know which is just Jamadi and and Catherine Hahn looking miserable just sitting on the same side of the booth and uh, as the credits start rolling okay well realizing
0: you- they're going to have to eat applebees for lunch
1: <laughs> yes if you if you want to commit to that then you keep that shot through the entirety of the credits but instead, it's just, you know, what, the, the first minute, maybe? And then it, it kind of fades to black. I'm like, okay, well, that's that was nothing. That was just a tease. Uh, yeah. It doesn't surprise me that the first time they tried this, the 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 girl that was pregnant that was going to give them their kid, like, ghosted them. Because, like, would you give your kid to this couple that looks like they're ready to just call it quits? I mean, I don't know. You got to sell yourself as a parent, you know? You, you got to show up there with... Uh, you know, at least shave. <laughs> don't look like like you drove straight to Virginia, no stops, and forgot to put the order end or something. It, it's just, yeah, they don't look like an appealing couple. And uh, so even though we don't see what happens next, I think that we can guess at least, Alex. I think that they get ghosted again.
0: I hope not. But that's definitely like the movie set you up for heartbreak the whole time. So probably.
1: Oh, well. Oh well, it was a setup, just like uh, like Dan set us up with this with this movie. Are you ready to go to real talk, Alex?
0: Yeah, it is definitely time to get to some real talk about private lives.
1: Oh, one one last question: What does private the... life?
0: Private. <laughs> it doesn't private matter lives. because
1: how how does that? What does it mean? Uh, did the title go over my head? Like the meaning of the title? How it applies to this movie?
0: Their life is anything but private. Everyone knows what's going on with them.
1: So is it meant to be ironic? Is that it? Is that Stammer Jenkins trying to uh, be funny with that title?
0: Yeah, I'm surprised. Like with how artsy she tries to make this movie, movie's not called like fucking garbage truck or something <laughs> that it says nothing to do with what it is.
1: Lunch at Arby's.
0: No, what's something super white? Uh, porcelain ghetto, porcelain <laughs> streets, something like that. <laughs>
1: All right. Okay, now let's let's go to real talk.
0: All right. Uh, and finally, this seems like the perfect opportunity to share some exciting news. I am going rogue here. I haven't cleared this with Richard and Rachel, but I just I can't let this I moment go know. to waste. Uh, it's okay, say, no, it's okay. No, 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 no. This, the, what I'm most this, this thankful actually, for this year is the opportunity to help Richard and Rachel make their dreams come true. Say, it's not By uh, serious. offering them just a tiny bit of myself, I get to give these guys the greatest gift say. they could have asked for. The gift of life. An oocyte. I don't understand what is an oocyte.